Stillman, start your engines. Uh, here's Tony Vanderbilt. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be with you. Uh, I have to tell you, it's it's kind of a strange thing because a lot of you know, especially that follow me on Facebook, <laughs> that I was in a bicycle accident last weekend. And I wasn't really that terribly sore until probably yesterday. Isn't that strange? (laughs) I'm actually doing worse now than I was doing right after uh, the bicycle accident. So just kind of an odd thing how that happens where, uh, you know, all of a sudden uh, you start feeling it, um, you know, the soreness uh, over a few days. I used to have this in martial arts when I would have a really tough workout. I would think the next day I was going to be sore. And then the next day I was fine and it wasn't until two days later that I got hit, but I've never had it where I've been uh, expecting to be sore one day and then five or six days passed before it hit me. But uh, yeah, so I haven't been on my bike. I did go on the bike on Thursday, but then I otherwise been taken off from riding the bike. And uh, yesterday I went up to St. Augustine and had a good day, just walking around, kind of relaxing, took the day off. I haven't had a lot of days off in recent months. And I uh, took the day off and just had a nice time up in St. Augustine. It wasn't too hot, really. Uh, it's starting to cool off a little bit here in Florida. We're, we're out of the uh, June and July months. And uh, it wasn't too terribly crowded either. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, so much happening in the news. So much to uh, talk about tonight. I have to start by talking about the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And there's so much to talk about on this raid. Um, it is certainly... Historically, I don't think there's anything you could really compare it to, even if you go back to Watergate. The idea of an FBI raid on a former president's home, I don't think there's anything in our history as a country uh, that can really, I don't know, just compare with that. And I'm not sure that it got uh, enough media attention in terms of that part of the significance of it. But one of the things I haven't heard a lot of people talk about is, you know, I'm I'm a, a loan officer now. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times um, I talk about that recently because I got started back in the uh, industry three months ago. But one of the things that I noticed um, coming back into the industry from when I was in the industry back in the 2000s is everything is paperless now. And uh, the idea of the FBI storming Trump's house to get paper documents. I mean, let's say worst case scenario that what apparently the allegation is, is correct, that he took documents he shouldn't have. These were national security secrets. These were classified documents. Let's say all of that is true. uh, And he was up to something no good and he had nefarious intentions. Uh, Wouldn't just taking the physical documents not really do much? I mean, the fact is that he probably would have these on the cloud, 
probably have copies of them or have them scanned in. I, I don't really understand a lot about this. And I certainly don't understand this idea of going in and taking away physical documents from him as if that would actually do any good. Uh, the theory that is swirling, which I think is very interesting, is the idea that they're going to go after Trump for some kind of a charge that would disqualify him from running for president. Uh, that's a very interesting theory. Because I think that the left knows that Trump is absolutely going to win in 2024 if he runs. So maybe that's what the goal is, is to somehow uh, get some kind of a charge against him before the election. Uh, something that would be serious enough that would either get him to voluntarily not run or maybe get him uh, convicted of something that would disqualify him from running. That's kind of the working theory. Um, but man, I have to tell you, if, if Trump is not safe, a former president from this type of a raid on his home, you know, my thinking this week was none of us are safe. If this is what they can do to a former president. And when you think about the average Americans uh, sense of justice and you see how the Clintons have never had a raid like this, how Hunter Biden has never had a raid like this, or Joe Biden with all of the things that he's had his fingers in over the last few years with his son, Hunter Biden. Uh, it really makes people uh, question the justice system. And I think most Americans, whether they agree with uh, verdicts or with decisions in the legal system, I think most people are somewhat at peace with our legal system, as long as they believe it's fair, as long as they believe that it's the same set of rules for everybody. And I think we're, we're seeing that that is absolutely not the case with this raid uh, on Mar-a-Lago. And this is interesting. Bill Maher, who has come out in the last year or so with some very interesting comments as someone that is a liberal, somewhat from the left, who comes out and is intellectually honest and will throw out these things that really <laughs> infuriate the left. Uh, Bill Maher says that F the FBI raid is saving Trump politically. And he said it was just as Trump's fortune was finally falling. I'm not sure if I agree with his take that Trump's fortune was falling, but I do agree that this is actually good for Donald Trump. I think this just feeds the narrative even more, the deep state and uh, Trump's allies. The mega crowd is going to be nothing but fired up by this. And it all comes, you know, just before uh, the midterms. And then, of course, we're right into a presidential campaign. A lot of people are saying that this raid on Mar-a-Lago might, in fact, prompt Trump to actually announce a little bit early. Normally, you don't see announcements until after the midterms, typically not until January. Uh, but Trump uh, may, in fact, announce early, and that might be prompted from this raid on his home uh, in South Florida. And I saw this uh, on Zero Hedge. I thought it was interesting because I've been hearing from a lot of people that they're cutting back. They're trying to tighten up their budget, trying to spend less money. And I thought this was interesting. They came up with a list of the top things that people are doing 
uh, to cut back on expenses. And the top thing is subscriptions and contracts. So I guess that would be things like Netflix, those sort of things, uh, that maybe health club memberships, things like that. Uh, and then next is clothing. And then next is bars and restaurants, which that's not a surprise. Then next is vacations and then food. Uh, a lot of people, uh, this is the one thing I've noticed when I go up to the grocery store. Now that I live by myself, it's kind of a little bit different shopping because when you're shopping for one person, it's a little bit more challenging. You want to look for that smaller package of meat or whatnot. But when I see people at the meat aisle, they're like pacing back and forth, picking up packages of meat, putting them back, uh, really being price conscious, especially about meat. Uh, so I, I really see this and I don't know how people are doing it that have larger families. You know, you've got a family of five or six and you're trying to put a, a dinner on the table every night uh, for five or six people. I just don't know how you do it. Um, I kind of set a goal for myself. I'm trying to eat on about 10 or $12 a day is, is kind of my goal. And man, it's tough uh, to just for one person uh, to eat for about 10 or 12 bucks a day. And you want to eat healthy too. Uh, but it's still, it's still difficult to do that. So again, uh, subscriptions and contracts, that's the first category people are cutting in clothing and then bars and restaurants, vacations and food. I noticed on vacations, I'm hearing from a lot of people, they're doing driving vacations. They're traveling to places that are much closer. They're not, you know, getting on the, uh, an airplane and flying off to some exotic, uh, location. Uh, and, and with all this being said, uh, apparently Disney is planning another price hike. And uh, I, I asked this question because I live like about an hour and a half from Disney World and I haven't been in the parks in years. But I, I asked this question over and over again. Is there any price at which Disney could go to that would actually stop people from going? I mean, obviously, there's some people that have unlimited money and they're going to go no matter what. But where is that point at which that you charge so much because it's, it's well over a hundred dollars a day for a ticket. And I think it's like $30 to park. And then everything inside the park is super expensive. All the food and, and any type of souvenirs you buy. I don't know how family does it and even stays at the hotels and pays for airfare. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of dollars for a family to go to Disney for three or four days and uh, Disney talking about raising prices once again. You just wonder, is there a limit to it? And then for those of you that follow me on Facebook, I've been pretty good now about doing a video uh, at least six days a week. I, I get up. One of the first things I do in the morning is I make a video on Facebook. And recently, the last few weeks, I've been talking about real estate, uh, credit, uh, mortgages, all of those kinds of things. And this week, uh, the video I did yesterday, probably I would say is the most popular of the week. And it asks the question, are rent to own or lease option deals, are they a scam? And I, I share on the video that I've really, I've been on both sides of this. So I have owned real estate as an, as a landlord and sold it to my tenants by way of a lease option or rent to own. So I've done that. But I've also been on the other side of this, too, where I've purchased through lease option or rent to own. I personally did not have a good experience with it when I was 
uh, purchasing that way. Um, I was taken advantage of. I was still able to buy, but the person I was buying from changed the price at the last minute. And I was really between a rock and a hard place because I already had a mortgage lined up and I had a closing date lined up. And had I not gone through with it, I would have lost this mortgage that I was approved for. And just at the last minute, they made me pay them $5,000 more. And I have a relative right now, and she's been in this uh, lease option for about five years. And the owner has canceled it multiple times, changed the prices multiple times, tried to play both sides of the fence so that when the air conditioner breaks down, he makes them fix it and says, well, look, you're buying the house. You have to fix the air conditioner. You have to fix the roof if there's a problem. If the fence falls down in a hurricane, you have to fix that. Uh, so really uh, crazy and, and very unfair the way they're they're being treated. So the crux of my video is this. I think as a concept, I think lease to own or rent to own, I think it's a good concept. But in practice, most landlords don't want you to succeed. They really don't. And so because of the lack of integrity among landlords, uh, it, it's turned out in practice to really not be a good way to go. And I point out my video that right now with FHA, you can get 96.5% financing. So all you need is 3.5% down. You could even have a pretty beat up credit score and still get FHA. And with the 3.5% down payment, there are down payment assistance programs that you can find to even cover your down payment. Uh, so in my mind, why not just buy a home using FHA rather than taking the risk of doing a lease option or a rent to own? And those are the kind of things that I've been talking about in my videos on Facebook. So if you're not following me on Facebook, my personal Facebook page has already hit the 5,000 friend maximum. But you can follow me on ChristianMoney.com. That is unlimited. Just put in Christian Money, all is one word, in Facebook. And pretty much everything I post on my personal page, I also post at Christian Money. And that's also something you can send me questions about. So if you're thinking about buying a home or refinancing or something like that, because I am back in the mortgage industry, I would be happy to answer that question for you. Uh, so you can email me, jim at christianmoney.com, or if you're a follower on Facebook, uh, you can private message me either through the Christian Money page or through my personal page, James L. Paris. The actress Anne Heche uh, is dead at the age of 53. So we, we mentioned it last week, the news story that Anne Heche was in this fiery crash and uh, all kinds of controversy about whether or not she had drugs in her system. Uh, crashed into a house that started a fire. I believe the house burned down uh, a tragedy on, on all different levels. And, and it turns out that after um, going into a coma that she has passed away at just the age of 53. So, uh, you know, she was in a, a lot of movies, a beautiful actress. Anne Heche uh, passed away at 53. Our thoughts and prayers go out to her family. And we've been hearing about monkeypox. Now, for what, maybe about three or four months, 
and people make jokes about it. And one of the things I posted on Facebook was, I don't plan on getting the monkeypox vaccine, but I am eating more bananas just as a precaution. Uh, so people are having fun with this, uh, posting pictures of Planet of the Apes and talking about monkeypox. Um, but it seems like it's, even even though we're hearing a lot about it, almost all of the articles, if you drill down and read them, say that this is extremely rare. It's nothing like COVID. There's no chance of it just taking off and being a widespread issue like we've seen with COVID. And I'm not really sure why it's getting so much uh, media coverage, so many headlines about monkeypox, when in fact you read the articles and there's really nothing to it. Uh, even these articles that are shouting the headlines warning about monkeypox, you click on them and read them. And it talks about a handful of cases. It talks about how rare it is that it's not going to be widespread. Uh, maybe it's just because of COVID that any type of, uh, you know, issue like any type of uh, virus is going to get more attention now in the news than what we've seen historically. But uh, monkeypox seems like nothing but a story that the media continues to run with. Well, this is interesting, and I continue to talk about this, but I'm I'm surprised that every time I post this on Facebook or do an email blast on it, most people that respond say, Jim, I, ne I never heard you talk about this before. And I've been talking about it now, I think for about a year. Uh, it is an app called Upside. And I just got an email from them the other day that so far I've now gotten over $250 in cash back total from using the app. It's totally free. And all you have to do is before you pump your gas, you just open up the app and you click the location that you're at. Then it gives you points and credits for pumping gas. Again, it's free and you don't have to go to any particular gas station. You can go to any gas station you would normally go to and you get these these points and then you can take them in the form of a gift card. You can get free gas with it if you want to get a gas card. I have been getting mine as Amazon gift cards and so far I've gotten over $250 back. And if you want to get my code which if you start with my code, you'll get a, uh, an extra bonus when you first sign up. And in order to get my code and get to the article that tells you how to get started with the Upside app, you want to go to jameslparis.medium.com. jameslparis.medium.com. Well, you know the company Peloton. I, I, I always thought this was fascinating my sister almost got a Peloton. She never actually got it, but she was looking at getting a Peloton and everybody was really fired up about Peloton because of COVID people were not going to their health clubs anymore. And so they wanted to exercise all the lockdowns. You couldn't even go out of your house in a lot of areas. So people were getting these Peloton bikes where you could, they're stationary bicycles. You could bicycle inside your house and then you connect the screen up to the internet and you could do these either pre-recorded or live workouts or even simulations. Like you could actually have the visual of like you're bicycling through central park or bicycling through Paris, France, really a cool idea. But this is probably one of those examples of a company that cashed in on COVID 
uh, and now is is plummeting because uh, all the changes that people made with COVID didn't stick because it was this question, will people ever go back to the health clubs or will people now uh, going forward just stick with their home gyms that they built when, uh, you know, when they got out of the habit of going to the gym uh, during COVID? And it looks like people are going back to the gym and Peloton is cutting jobs. They're shutting stores and they're planning to raise prices and really revamp the entire company. So I think we're probably going to see more of this where companies that kind of reinvented themselves cashed in because of the lifestyle changes that took place during COVID are now seeing that that didn't stick, that people are uh, not continuing down that same path. And uh, Peloton seems to uh, be the latest victim of that. So there is a service online called Tornado Cash. And the government is going after these people. They are arresting the programmers. They're charging people. Uh, that are involved with with running this site called Tornado Cash. And Tornado Cash has actually had to completely shut down uh, because of the government coming after it. And what it is, it is a cryptocurrency mixing service. And to explain to you what this is and why the government is after it, uh, so when you send money with cryptocurrency, let's just use Bitcoin as an example. There is a widespread myth that Bitcoin is anonymous. It really isn't anonymous um, because of the blockchain. So if you, it doesn't take much work to figure out when someone uh, sends Bitcoin or re receives Bitcoin, there's a paper trail. It's, uh, you know, uh, what they call the, um, uh, the ledger uh, and the blockchain. And the blockchain has a record of these transactions. So one of the ways that people maintain their privacy with Bitcoin is by using one of these mixing services. So how it works is you use the mixing service like Tornado Cash as a middle point. So instead of sending your Bitcoin directly from your address to the receiving party's address, you go through this middle step of this mixer. And what it does is it creates a new address for you as the sender, and then it sends it to the recipient's address. So it's sort of like um, cloaks your identity when you're sending or receiving cryptocurrency. And because of that, the allegation is that about one seventh of the transactions going through tornado cash are, uh, are criminal, uh, are criminals hiding money laundering money, that kind of thing. And so what they're doing is they're actually going after the people that created the service, actually charging them with crimes for creating this service. And it really is unprecedented. I heard the interesting analogy being made to the telephone. So had Alexander uh, Graham Bell known that people would use the telephone someday to maybe set up hits to murder people or plan crimes, then you could have in theory charged him uh, with a crime for creating a technology that people used uh, for illicit purposes. Right. And that's what they're doing here to the people that created tornado cash. So 
there are other mixing services like this. So the idea is that the government is really, really going after cryptocurrency in a major way. And one of the big focuses right now are on these mixing services that allow people to maintain anonymity when sending and receiving cryptocurrency. Uh, this is going to be really uh, precedent setting the, the, you know, the legal case in this, because how do you charge someone with a crime that created this software that created this site? Um, if they're not a part of the illegal things that might be going on with it, how can you blame them for their technology being used by criminals? I mean, you could in that same way, I mean, you could go after Facebook because probably people are using Facebook Messenger for bad reasons. I mean, you could go after email providers, uh, ISPs. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting to see how they're targeting cryptocurrency like this. And uh, Tornado Cash, the latest victim of the war on cryptocurrency. YouTube is growing in popularity with teens. And I, I read an article that YouTube is actually becoming uh, is growing in popularity at a greater pace with teens than even the uh, the site TikTok, which TikTok, uh, the Chinese based social media service, is very popular with teens. But still, old school YouTube appears to be growing faster with teens uh, than TikTok. And, um, you know, we're having trouble here with YouTube. If you follow the show, you might notice in recent weeks, we haven't been able to put the show on YouTube. I don't know if this week's show is going to be on there or not. But what happened was about a month ago, uh, maybe two months ago, I got a message from YouTube that they went back about a year ago and took down one or two of my videos from a year ago, said they were false information and uh, they took them down. And then every week or two since that, I've been getting uh, messages from YouTube that they just every so often just take another older video of mine offline and add another strike to my account. So the last I checked, I have two strikes. If I get three strikes, my account is taken away. Um, not sure if that's going to happen or not, but we've been uploading for about a year and a half to Rumble. Uh, because I expected at some point for YouTube to actually shut me down. Um, they haven't officially given me the third strike yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if that happens soon. And uh, speaking of YouTube, YouTube is planning to launch a channel store. And this will allow people to a la carte buy the channels that they want. And this is already available through Amazon to some extent. So if you want just HBO, or just Showtime, or you want to just follow certain sports or sports teams. This is already becoming more and more available, but it's not quite available with every single channel quite yet. But it looks like as YouTube rolls out this channel store, that this is going to become more the norm that instead of having to buy like the basic cable package to get all of your favorite channels that you can just pick and choose and get the channels that you want, that you like one at a time, a la carte. And once YouTube sort of launches this, it's expected that we'll see more of this a la carte availability of individual channels uh, on a lot of the services like Amazon prime and, and Roku and the others. 
And if you're following cryptocurrency, you know that it's kind of been a, a cryptocurrency winter uh, for the last few months. But Bit Bitcoin uh, is now above 25,000, which is the first time it's been above 25,000 in about nine weeks. So it's good to see uh, a little bit of a comeback there. And one of the scams that continues to go on, and it's a scary scam, and it's one that I can't warn people enough about, being that I'm back in the mortgage industry and I'm dealing with title companies, uh, every time I get a message from a title company, it has this warning on it now. So it's like I'm seeing this every day about these uh, wire scams. So what happens is you're getting ready to uh, you know, close on your house. You're getting ready to wire money from your bank to the title company. And somehow the criminals, the scammers find out that you're about to do a real estate transaction, that you're about to wire this money. And so what they do is they send you a fake email that looks like it's coming from your title company and it has wiring instructions, but the wiring instructions are are bogus. They're, they're, you know, instructions to wire money to them that will never make it to the closing. And man, is this an ingenious scam? Because how many people would think twice, let's, you, let's say you're getting ready to close on a house and you get an email and it looks like it's from the title company and it has the wiring instructions. How many people would question that? Uh, and you got to wonder how are these scammers getting uh, the information uh, to be able to email people. It could just be a, a major email blast. I mean, maybe they just blast it to like a hundred thousand people and some number of those people have a deal to close and are going to get that and, um, you know, wire the money out. But man, oh man. And from what I've read, there's not really a lot you can do after you wire money and it's gone. It's kind of gone. And can you imagine, you know, wiring a hundred thousand dollars or $50,000 and then just having that money completely disappear uh, and stolen by one of these scammers. Uh, all right, we'll close it out with this. One of the other videos that I put online this week is how to become a mortgage loan officer. And so that is on my Facebook page. But I just wanted to mention briefly, uh, in my state, it is pretty common for people that are mortgage loan officers to make north of $100,000 a year, a lot of times over $200,000 a year. You don't have to have a college degree to get into this. In most states, you just have to take like a 20 or 30 hour class, which you can do online. And then you have to pass a couple of exams. It's a really easy industry to get into. There's a low barrier of entry and you can make a tremendous tremendous amount of money. One of the things I'm thinking about doing is helping people to get into the mortgage industry and maybe creating some kind of a team where, you know, through Christian money and the following I have on Facebook, maybe somehow I can create a team where those of you around the country that do get into the mortgage industry uh, can have an opportunity to, we can all share in kind of a, a lead generation or something like that within the Christian community. I think that would be interesting. Um, I plan to do some traveling and to get out there and start doing some speaking engagements and seminars again, 
and, and teach a lot about real estate investing and how to use mortgages. And it, it's such a big part of your financial toolkit. And uh, I think it's a great opportunity uh, for people, you know, as far as a, a business opportunity uh, to get into this as a line of work. But it's also a great opportunity, a learning opportunity, because, you know, even if you don't do a lot with your mortgage license, just the education you get going through the process is really going to help you just as a consumer uh, to understand better, you know, how to get a mortgage, how to pay your mortgage off early, how to use your mortgage as a tool uh, to make investments, to pay off higher interest rate debt. Uh, I'm just really excited to be back in the mortgage industry and a lot of people asking me, how do I get into the mortgage industry? So I did a video with a lot more details on it um, on my Facebook, but I can tell you just in a nutshell, you want to go to Google and do a Google search. Uh, let's say you're in Illinois, you just say Illinois mortgage broker license or Illinois loan officer license. And typically what will come up first are a number of ads and those ads, you click on them, and those would be for the schools that you can sign up for in your state uh, to be able to, um, you know, get uh, approved to take the test. The test isn't easy. Here in Florida, only about 55% of the people that take the test pass. So it's a challenge to be able to pass the exam. Uh, but I think most people can do it if you prepare and you study and all of that. So in Florida here, there's a test you take to graduate from the school. That's after you take the 20 hour class. And then there's the exam that you take with the state, uh, which you've got to, you know, uh, study really hard for that. It's like a three hour test and uh, you've got to have at least an 80%, uh, 75% to pass. Uh, it's a tough test though. Only about 55% uh, pass the exam. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. It is so good to be back. What is this? Our third week back now. Uh, great to be doing the show again. Uh, soon we're going to be having guests again and uh, a lot of exciting things happen. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Thanks so much for joining us. So long, everybody.